Hello and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Words of Welcome, the teaching ministry of Welcome Baptist Church, Heathfield. Hello, I wonder if you'd turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, verses 38 to 42. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Let's pray. Father, as we look at these challenging words, would you speak to us, please, Lord? Would you draw near to us? Would you melt our hearts and lead us onward? We thank you for the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that has won us. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit who fills us with hope and with love. So draw near to us, Lord, as we draw near to you. In Jesus' name, amen. In 1957, while Billy Graham was preaching, he pulled out a letter. It was written by a young man to his sweetheart, breaking up their engagement. The sweetheart in turn passed it to her pastor, who had given it to Billy Graham. The reason the boy had written, breaking up their engagement, was that he was going to Mexico to join the Communist Party. This is part of what he wrote. We communists have a high casualty rate. We're the ones who get shot and hung and ridiculed and fired from our jobs in every other way, made as uncomfortable as possible. A certain percentage of us get killed or imprisoned. We live in virtual poverty. We turn back to the party. Every penny we make above what is absolutely necessary to keep us alive. We communists do not have the time or the money for many movies or concerts or T-bone steaks or decent homes or new cars. We've been described as fanatics. We are fanatics. Our lives are dominated by our great overshadowing factor, the struggle for world communism. We have a philosophy of life which no amount of money could buy. We have a cause to fight for, a definite purpose in life. We subordinate our petty personal selves into a great movement for humanity. And if our personal lives seem hard or our egos appear to suffer through subordination to the party, then we are adequately compensated by the thought that each of us in his or her own small way is contributing to something new and true and better for mankind. There is one thing in which I am dead earnest about, he writes, and that is the communist cause. 
It is my life, my business, my religion, my hobby, my sweetheart, my wife, and my mistress, my breath and meat. I work at it in the daytime and dream of it at night. Its hold on me grows, not lessens as time goes on. Therefore, I cannot carry on a friendship, a love affair, or even a conversation without relating this force which both drives and guides my life. I evaluate people, books, ideas, and actions according to how they affect the communist cause. And by their attitude to it, I've already been in jail because of my ideals. And if necessary, I'm ready to go before the firing squad. Whoa. Have you ever heard Anything like that. I'm deeply challenged just reading of this boy's intensity and his love and his passion for a cause. A cause that is ultimately earthly, manly, that offers no hope beyond the grave. A cause that actually seeks to eliminate God and truth. If he can give his life for such a poor pseudo-religion. How much more us who know the truth that there is a Lord God Almighty who loves us, who has died for us, and who calls us to live counter-culturally who calls us to lay down our rights, our comfort, our peace, our possessions, in order to receive something much, much greater. He is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Eliot. And incredible words written at roughly the same time as these words were. One cause leads to eternity. One cause leads to death. And that's what Jesus is calling us to in the Sermon on the Mount. Again and again and again to live in a culturally counter way. To look different, smell different, act differently than the world around us. John Stott talks about the verses we've just read and the verses that follow in this way. The final two antitheses, you've heard it said, but I tell you, the final two antitheses bring us to the highest point of the Sermon on the Mount, for which it is both admired and most resented. Namely, the attitude of total love, which Christ calls us to, towards the one who is evil, verse 39, and our enemies, verse 34. We'll be looking at that next time. Nowhere is the challenge of the sermon greater. Nowhere is its distinctiveness and the Christian counterculture more obvious. Nowhere is our need for the power of the Holy Spirit, whose first fruit is love, more compelling. Bonhoeffer put it like this, that we are to visibly participate in the cross. 
That's what that boy was straining at for his cause. No cars, no T-bone steaks, no new houses, not many movies. Willingness to die, willingness to go to jail, the willingness to stand before the firing squad. We are called to visibly participate in the cross. And that's what these verses are calling us to do. You have heard it said. We're so used to this formula now. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Well, this was an often repeated phrase. We have it in Exodus, we have it in Leviticus, and we have it in Deuteronomy. Exodus 21, Leviticus 24, Deuteronomy 19. Now, it's important to remember two things when we think of these verses, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. They were written not to individuals. They weren't written to people like you and me. They were written to those who had a role in governance, to the judges, to the elders, to the magistrates, to to the kings, those who would pronounce judgments. They were part of the law that God gave to Moses for the society, for the stability of this new nation, Israel. It's important that we remember that. This wasn't to individuals. It's also to remember that these words were restrictive. To us, they might sound uh, really quite harsh, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But 4,000 years ago, these words were restrictive. They were calling people to a responsible, proportional response to crime. So if someone caused blindness, you weren't to take their life. It was a principle of proportional punishment. And it was world-shattering, I think, at the time. Nowhere else were such words being spoken. And so the judges and the magistrates or the kings or the elders were to look at a case and bring proportional punishment. Not to go beyond, not to let the guilty one go free, but bring proportional punishment. And so Jesus talks about this. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now, by the first century, the Pharisees, the scribes and others were using these words, which were meant for society in general and for those in power, They were using them for themselves as a justification for taking revenge, as a way of getting their own back. And they quote scripture while they would do it. And Jesus is saying, these words are not for you as individuals. This is for society. This is for the police in our day and age. This is for our government and our magistrates and our judges, if you like. It's not for individuals. Instead, I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. So here Jesus is talking about people. 
He's not talking about regimes. He's not talking about institutions. And he's certainly not talking about the devil. We're told many times to resist the devil, the same word. But here Jesus is telling us in our individual relationships to not resist the evil done to us. And he gives us four concrete examples of this. The first is a contemptuous blow, a, a, a slap. The word here used means an open-handed slap, though it can mean a punch or it can mean a backhanded slap, but it's a contemptuous blow. That where we would be most tempted, I think, to respond, to show a flash of anger when someone strikes us. Second concrete example Jesus gives us is an assault on our property. Actually, it's a legalized form of robbery. Someone sues you for your shirt. The third concrete example that Jesus gives us is forced labor. Now, for us culturally, this is a bit odd. We're not really forced into labor as in the first century they could have been. Uh, the words there are, are about carrying baggage, military baggage or official baggage. Uh, and so you could be pressed by a Roman to carry their baggage for a mile. And so Jesus gives these concrete examples. Someone who comes begging to you or asks you uh, for a loan. So Jesus takes these four concrete examples as principles, as illustrations to show what love looks like, what not resisting an evil person, an evil person who strikes you, an evil person that sues you, an evil person that demands you work for them, a, a, an evil person who asks that you would give them money. Jesus says this is what it looks like, and it's twofold. Firstly, it is to submit to the indignity of the slap. It is to yield the shirt. It, it, it is to go the mile. It is to give to the one who asks. And then he goes further. He asks more. Not only are we to submit to the slap, but we are to offer the other cheek as well. We're not only to yield our shirt, but to give a more costly garment, our jacket, our, our, our coat as well. Not just to go the one mile carrying the baggage, but to go two miles and to give freely to the one who asks. This is incredible teaching. Now, there is a, a teaching that's grown up over the last 20 or so years that I've heard numerous times about this that, that talk about a kind of passive, aggressive way, that Jesus was talking about this in a passive, aggressive way. You, you may have heard it. Um, I want to address it in case you have, because it's not true. It's not right. And we need to know the truth about these verses. 
So people have suggested that when Jesus says, turn to them the other cheek, he is forcing them to, to, uh, to slap them in a different way. So it goes like this. Uh, uh, a contemptuous blow is done with the back of the hand, boof. And if you turned your other cheek to them, you'd be forcing them to strike you with the open hand, which would be saying that you are equal. That's not true. It's not in the Greek here. The, the Greek word used is open palm, actually. You're struck with the open palm. It can mean back, it can mean punch, but it means open palm. That's not what Jesus is saying. Force them to admit that you are their equal by turning your other cheek defiantly. It's been suggested that if you're being sued for your shirt, giving them your coat as well, that which means you keep warm, that which would keep you at night, would be such a shaming thing upon them that they would be socially outcast. It's been suggested by this form of teaching that walking two miles instead of one would bring the Roman officer or the administrator into disrepute for making you walk two, that they would be disciplined. And so people suggest that what Jesus is calling us to is a kind of passive aggression. Nothing could be further from the truth. Jesus is calling us to practice selfless love just as he did. You see, Jesus did all these things. He was slapped by the high priest. He had them gamble for his, his clothes. He gave up his righteous robes in heaven in exchange for our unrighteous ones. He walked with the sins of the world upon his shoulders, carrying the cross until it drove him to his knees out of love, selfless love. Your attitude should be that of Christ Jesus, who though was God, Full God, a full God, though in very nature God did not see equality with God as something to be grasped, but poured himself out, made himself nothing. That's what Jesus is teaching here. And he did it. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 6 talks about the suffering servant. This is hundreds of years before Jesus' crucifixion. This is what he says. Isaiah 50, I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. That's Jesus. That's what he calls us to. Now, I know why it's so appealing to us, to our flesh, that in some way doing these things is, is our own form of 
aggression, our own form of standing up for ourselves because we do not want to be a doormat. We don't want to be a doormat. In fact, Luther famously called uh, some Christians crazy who would allow the bed mites to bite them at night without doing anything about them, taking this verse uh, as their raison d'etre. But that isn't the case. We are not to be doormats. If we just submitted to the blow, if we just gave up our shirt, if we just walked meekly the mile, well, I guess that would be being a doormat. But we're not being doormats. We are, again, as Bonhoeffer said, visibly participating in the cross. When we go further in love, that's what we're doing. There's an old story that a, a Roman soldier came to, to a Christian and said, why are you not afraid of me? Don't you know I have the power to run you through with my sword? And this Christian said, sir, I am the one who has the power to let you and still love you. Whoa. That's what Jesus is talking about. Not some kind of passive aggression, but real active love, love that is transformative, a love that when unjustly hit doesn't respond fire-like but loves and turns gently the other cheek, a love that says I'll give you everything I've got, a love that says let me walk two miles with you, let me care for you. A love that gives freely to the one who asks. So, so what about us? Well, I guess the very first thing I, I really need to say is that if you are in an unsafe environment, at home, in a marriage, in a relationship, anywhere, this isn't a call to stay and put up with it, no. If you are in an unsafe place, please tell someone, please tell someone, some trusted good people. If you are in an unsafe place, it may be appropriate to call the police. It may be appropriate to talk to someone. This isn't a call to masochism. It's a call to love. Now, there's sometimes when the most loving thing we can do is bring a thing into the open, and that's appropriate. So this isn't a call to stay in an abusive marriage. It's not a call to stay in an abusive workplace. This isn't a call to that. In fact, Spurgeon said this, it's a call to be an anvil to the hammer. When the hammer comes, we stand firm with the love and the grace of God so that the hammer is repelled, not, not us. If you are in an unsafe place, please talk to someone, get help. 
because that's what you need. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about someone who seeks to take advantage of you, who, who comes alongside to get one over on you for whatever reason. That's what this is about. And the message here is to love with the love of Jesus, to go above and beyond in love to be selfless. This is a call for us to take a step back when these kind of things happen, when someone seeks to take advantage of us. Take a step back and look at the bigger picture, to look at Jesus, to ask ourselves the question, what is the most loving thing that I can do right now? How can I visibly partake in the cross right now, in this situation? How can I submit and love in this situation? How can I bring glory to God through my compassion, my generosity, and my love in this situation? I think you'd be surprised at the transformation that genuine love can make to any situation. Most of this world does not know love. It may know eros, it may know erotic love, but most of the people we rub shoulders with day by day have never seen selfless love put into practice. Our children don't see it from us. Our friends and relatives don't see it from us. Often we are exactly like the culture around us, fighting for our rights, fighting for our possessions, desperate to be first. But actually these verses tell us that the greatest is the one who looks to love not their rights. The greatest is the one who gives away their possessions, not the one who fights for them. This points to the one who left the glories of heaven, who submitted to the nails, the slaps, the beard pulling, the scourge of the whip, the crown of thorns, who would give up everything that you might know him. He calls you to do the same, not for communism, but for life eternal. Will you join him? Will you follow him? Amen. Thank you for listening to Words of Welcome. For new episodes and more, please visit welcomebaptistchurch.uk.